Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Uh, our next episode is going to encompass taking care of and maintaining the exterior of your homes and your historic homes. Ever since wood-sided houses were first painted, the most economical way to prepare an old surface for new paint has been scraping and spot priming. This method worked well in areas exposed to the elements because the binders and pigments in traditional paint, oil-based paints, eroded away under sunlight and rain. However, in areas like porches and siding that are frequently redecorated or where the surface is protected by an overhang, paint gets thicker and thicker until the film becomes so brittle it no longer moves with the contraction and contraction and expansion of the wood underneath it. This leads to frequent scraping and painting that results in ugly craters. I mean, did you ever see the clabbered on some houses? It looks like there's 15 or 20 coats of paint. On many houses, heavy paint buildup, pockmarked by craters, is a sign that it's time to strip all the old layers down to bare wood and repaint again from scratch. But I must admit, this happens very infrequently because of the, the tremendous cost, but I must also add, as, as, a, as a boy growing up in a small town in South Jersey, um, this one gentleman, he was in his late 80s, and he was a house painter his whole life since he was 16 years old. And I knew him as a young child, probably six, seven years old. He painted his house twice a year. He painted it in early spring and late fall, and he painted everything in white. Elmer Gaunt, in Elmer Gaunt Main Street in Elmer, New Jersey, and Elmer Gaunt was a house painter, but my God, I would go by there and, and you would see craters that probably were an eighth of an inch, a quarter inch deep. But uh, he loved to paint and he loved to paint his old house. A lot of people, uh, a lot of craftsmen uh, don't necessarily like the shoemaker without shoes, but but this gentleman uh, was practicing his craft on his own house a little bit too excessively. So again, on many houses, heavy paint buildup, pockmarked by craters is a sign it's time to strip down. Stripping exterior paint, though, is a big and expensive project. Can you imagine stripping paint on a whole, whole house? Can't imagine it. Can't imagine undertaking it even with a good team of artisans, nor for the cost of it. There is no single ideal method for removing thick old paint, and all approaches have pros and cons. Putting research into the right method or combination of methods for your schedule and your budget can help you put your old house on the road to a beautiful finish and future decades of trouble-free paint jobs. Here's a primer on what you'll need to know before hiring help or getting out the tools. Signs of stripping time. Paint can fail for a variety of reasons. Most of them, fortunately, not indictions that all the layers must be removed to the substrate. Common paint problem symptoms include Peeling between layers, which is an indication of poor preparation originally. Peeling down to bare wood, often the result of high moisture levels migrating out of the house. And peeling from roof and gutter leaks and peeling at carpentry joints due to water penetration at old junctions between the boards, particularly at end grain. Signs that your paint should be stripped to the wood include alligatoring, which is where the paint film that breaks into plates resembling a reptile skin. 
And, you know, this happens a lot. And I'm sure everyone has seen, uh, you know, Victorian furniture where the furniture from probably from the original factory in the, say, 1850s, 1860s was turned out in uh, a shellac finish. And then somewhere in the 19-teens or 1920s, somebody puts varnish over it. And they're really two incompatible finishes. And uh, 20, 30 years goes by, and the uh, surface, the the binders and solvent tend to uh, migrate and close up and cause an alligatoring effect over the shellac. So sometimes it's like a marriage. They're compatible in the beginning for several years. But after a while, as things start to dry up, Everyone migrates to different directions. So, so a new analogy there. So, <clears throat> so what is too thick in paint? It could be the thickness of a dime, a quarter, or even a half dollar. There's no exact dimension. Just multiple layers that peel year after year for no obvious reason. While adjacent areas that have been previously scraped and painted remain sound. If any of these scenarios ring true for your house, consider all specs, all aspects of the methods listed as I go through them and proceed with caution, but always proceed with caution. Sanding and grinding. Since the 1950s, sanding and grinding with rotary sanders has been the quickest and least expensive method for removing old paint. This is how uh, I first watched... uh, Some of this occurred down in historic Cape May as a child. Unfortunately, rotary grinding or sanding lead-based paint without collecting the residue in an attached vacuum system or in any other appropriate way is dangerous to workers, homeowners, and their neighbors. In many communities, sanding without protective barriers or vacuum assistance today is also illegal. Still, many contractors and homeowners risk health problems and potential legal action by carelessly sanding lead paint. Everyone should be aware of the dangers of lead exposure when hiring a paint contractor or when undertaking a home painting project where lead is present. As for the impact of, on the building, the quality of a rotary sanding job is completely subject to the hands of the worker. One person might produce a beautifully smooth surface while an unskilled or careless individual can ruin thousands of dollars worth of siding in a day with deep, irreparable swirls. Even if the best work, sanding and grinding removes a lot of surface wood to create a smooth, paintable surface. Unfortunately, the drawbacks of sanding and grinding are causing this practice to disappear. So I I sometimes liken this to my experience uh, for five years living in Paris. I was always... uh, quite taken aback by the French uh, philosophy of uh, restoration and conservation, particularly restoration, is to cut back all the finish off the wood, all the patina, to get subsurface in the wood to bring back all the original colors. I mean, it's a great great ambiance, but the issue is, how many times in the next two to three hundred years can you cut back an eighth inch or, or a sixteenth inch of veneer um, to get its best color. I mean, there's going to be a point where everything will be ruined. So there's got to be some constraint used here. So <clears throat> in addition, there's the water or media blasting. So if you're seeking faster methods to remove old paint from wood siding, many contractors have experienced and experimented with various forms of blasting. The most common system is a high-pressure cleaning rig 
the kind available at rental centers and cleaning boats for cleaning boats and trailers that sprays water in between at 600 to 3,000 PSI from a triggered nozzle. Sometimes recommended for carefully cleaning moss from wood shingles, water blasting is generally a dubious technique for stripping paint. While it will wash away loose paint, attempting to lift more tenacious paint can result in telltale gouges and swirls because the stream of water is enough to blast scars right into the wood. On top of this, water blasts frequently saturate the wall cavity, though open cracks and siding overlaps creating problems with the new paint and interior finishes. Another approach is abrasive blasting, or granular media such as crushed walnut shells, corn husk, or bicarbonate of soda are shot at the surface and compressed air and sometimes water. Though widely used on metal with appropriate media, abrasive blasting is nonetheless too aggressive for wood and even brick. Over and above its potential for lead paint health concerns, it produces a severely abraded surface that, even with follow-up sanding, attracts and retains dirt. So we're doing the entire opposite of what we're seeking out to do. Mechanical removers. As an alternative to sanding, grinding, and blasting, at least two types of mechanical paint removers have come on the market to address the problems of removing thick exterior paint and containing the residue. Basically, each tool is a rotary armed with three or four carbide tips under a protective metal shroud that removes paint, plus a thin layer of wood, then transfers the debris to an attached vacuum. Each also strips the butt of the surmounting sideboard at the same time it strips a face. Later, one of the tools converts to a Vacuum-assisted sander to smooth out the surface once the paint is gone. Definitely quicker and more efficient than sanding. These tools still do not eliminate handwork. They leave a rough surface that must be dressed with a pad or a random orbital sander. To to prolong the life of the blades, you need to slightly countersink all nail heads before beginning. Like rotary sanders, The tools cannot reach small areas at corner beads or corner boards and casings, and these all must be completely stripped by hand. The actual rate of production depends upon the individual tool, the project, and the user. For example, both tools remove paint from 2 to 3 inches of siding surface per pass, stripping approximately 1 square foot in 20 to 30 seconds. Though impressive, Neither estimate accounts for setting nails, moving scaffolds, and ladders, excessively thick layers of paint, or later sanding that are part of the job. As is prudent before using any new or unfamiliar tool, skilled workmen or do-it-yourselfers should test these machines and perfect their technique in an unconspicuous spot before moving to a primary area. So let me just uh, throw some tips out there on stripping tactics. Obviously, whole house paint stripping is very expensive, like a roof tear-off, though there comes a time to bite the bullet or just do it. Before you dive in, consider these aspects or options. One way to lessen the financial blow is to stretch out the work over several years. For example, strip the front of your house first, move to another side in four or five years, and so on. 
You might also find a contractor that will give you a, a discount by allow, allowing his men to work on your house during slow periods. It also pays to test and time one or more removal methods in measured areas to give an air, to give you an idea which approach will yield the best results over which rate of production. And lastly, if you live in a historic preservation district or are working on a historically significant property, check your local preservation commission before commencing work to make sure you've chosen methods that are appropriate. Also, there's a good chance that the local board will have ideas and suggestions that will save you time, trouble, and money on your stripping adventure. So let's just talk about um, some chemical strippers. Until the late last decade or so, chemical stripping was left to professional painters and stripping contractors because the caustics they caused were extremely dangerous unless used with care. The following scenario was common. Dressed in heavy chemical-resistant suits, gloves, and boots, workers would apply a thick remover with rollers, brushes, or sprayers, then leave it to soften the paint. Some products required covering with a membrane to slow down evaporation and contain the old paint. Many contractors would drop thin plastic sheets over the chemicals for the same purpose. After the appropriate dwell time had elapsed, 6 to 24 hours, depending upon the paint thickness, chemicals and paint were washed off using low to medium pressure water, 300 to 900 PSI. In some cases, the clean wood surface would be then neutralized with a mild acid to balance the pH according to test strips. If the contractor was not careful, however, the results were often compromised. To soften as much paint as possible, some contractors would leave the chemicals in place for extended periods, a practice that breaks down wood fibers and leaves a fuzzy surface that must be sanded or is unsalvageable. Other contractors would use high-pressure power washers, tools strong enough to drive strippers into the wood. And that's the opposite of really what we want to do here. Where they would try, they, where they would dry and later ruin new paint. So the stripper would have a, a, a continuous, uh, basically, stripping effect. You drive the stripper into the wood. Um, in very moist seasons, particularly in the summer, that stripper is going to start migrating out of the wood cells that it was forced into and start breaking down the paint on the surface. What a mess. Plus, careless scraping or water blasting could leave scars and wood still tender from saturation by chemicals. Fortunately, safer, often pH-neutral chemical strippers are now available from and provide a reasonable alternative to the highly caustic cousins. At times, marked as environmental-friendly because they eschewed, eschewed harmful solvents such as methylene chloride or VOCs, some of the most recent generation of strippers are based on NMP, a slowly evaporating solvent that is slower but less toxic. A few are formulated with gels or film formers to enable the stripper to, to skin over, to limit evaporation, and to aid cleanup or for lead immobilizing ingredients to help render waste paint safer for disposal. Though, these products may take longer to soften paint and might require several coats, 
the methods are similar on how they work and how they are effective. So let's talk about uh, another method of stripping paint, which is heat tools. So my grandfather was born in just the, the mid-1880s, and he once told me that a paint job wasn't worth having unless the old paint was first stripped off with torches. These were small but heavy gasoline torches that produced an open flame similar to a modern portable gas bottle torch. Stores and house fires ignited by these torches and their propane offspring are legion and continue today. The descendants of the open flame torch are electric heat tools in the form of guns that blow a stream of air heated to several hundred degrees by electrical coils, and two, plates that pass a glowing calrod element over the paint. When used cautiously, heat guns are generally safer than open flames, but still not with, without clear cautions. When held in one spot too long, both guns and plates will scorch and blemish the wood. While heat guns do not operate with an open flame, used carelessly, the hot air stream can still ignite tinder-like materials in hidden places, such as sawdust and debris accumulated in wall cavities over decades or hundreds of years. Old newspapers stuffed into walls as improvised insulation or straw and or rags dragged into soffits for animal nest. Any heat source over 800 degrees Fahrenheit also has potential to release lead in lead-based paint and should be used with appropriate personal safety equipment. The newest weapons in the heat arsenal is infrared paint stripping. This technology is relatively new to North America, so to date there is only one tool on the market. But according to the manufacturer, the principal the, the, this, the principle has been used successfully in Sweden for many years. Rather than softening the paint binders with hot air or flames as conventional heat tools do, the infrared technology heats up the paint, not the air, so it's cooler to use and less apt to burn surfaces. About the size of a large shoebox with an element that resembles a conventional heat plate, the tool's design and technology allows it to soften areas of paint without burning the wood surface or vaporizing the lead paint. Compared to a heat gun, I estimate that it stripped about four times the area of the same length of t- in the same length of time. Since it is a bulky tool, it works best with two people or when attached to a pulley to relieve the weight from the user's arm. Heated paint can be scraped away while the next area is being softened. But like many other methods, it is much less effective on thin layers of paint. So what's the best exterior paint stripping method? That depends on you and your house. There's no magic bullet. If there is lead-based paint, you must keep sanding to a minimum and carefully contain it. Chemicals will work, but they are highly, unbelievably messy. Used appropriately, heat guns are great for small areas and faster mechanical strippers are best used by professionals or tool-savvy do-it-yourselfers. Being a middle-aged man with limited patience, for me, some of the newest methods are ideal, that is, except in areas where they're impractical, and I turn to everyone for their other methods. Um, So I hope everyone got something out of this. Greg Perry, the historic preservationist, and... uh, 
We're going to have uh, some other podcasts coming out uh, talking about lead, uh, but that'll be in the future. So uh, be careful with your pain stripping, wear a mask, respirator of some sort, and uh, protect your eyes. Thanks for listening.